So empowerment is, is a tricky word because empowerment means power within. You cannot empower someone else. No. They have to empower themselves. And that's what a lot of people do, especially when they've had an experience they weren't happy with. It, it can empower them to choose different, to learn, to become educated, to gather more support, to, you know, to do what they have to do to make them, uh, you know, be able to influence, you know, what happens to them, what happens to their children and the partners too. That's Deb Catlin. And this is the Rain Studios podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Rain Studios podcast. I am Rain and this is the show where we talk about birth and how it affects our uh, life, how it affects our society and um, yeah, the world of first impressions. That's something that I'm really getting into as the podcast evolves is what our first impressions are as adults that we remember and then applying that knowledge um, or that wisdom to what our birth story really means to us as this sort of first impression that the of the world um, that we get as infants and how that um, lays itself out in limbic imprinting and um, really just sets the stage for your perspective for the rest of your life. So this is Deb Catlin. She has a really wise um, perspective as she is um, a doula but also has she's taught thousands of um, students now to be doulas. Um, and she is sort of graduating or hanging her um, education hat, but doing it in a really incredible and inclusive way. Um, we get into that in the podcast, so I won't get into it now. But, um, you know, Deb is a wise elder. She has over... 40 years of experience and and hundreds of births and thousands of students. So yeah, it's just, it's such an honor to have this conversation. We get to share it with you all. Um, She is a mother of four and we get the birth stories and they are as always just amazing and eye-opening. So yeah, so before I get into the show, I just want a quick reminder, check out the website, um, rainstudios.com. There's a lot going on, um, on the birth front. And there's also, um, uh, sort of a revival of my yoga, um, teaching and you can check it out on Instagram. And then I'm also going to try and start to log all of my, um, teaching videos and how to videos up on the website so that you guys can have access to those things. Um, because, I always have joked them, you know, for years and years when I had the studio that yoga is such a gateway drug. <laughs> and I mean that in the best way. It's like a gateway drug to the enlightenment path. And so I don't think that I would, well, I know I would not be here. I would not be doing this podcast. I would not be, um, teaching on this platform. I would, I would not have, um, had a natural birth. I would not have had a home birth empowered. Um, had I not had this deep connection to my yoga practice. So um, I really feel pulled and inspired um, 
by a handful of people and, um, you know, the divine to really get back into this work. So I hope I'm not spreading myself too thin. I'm notorious for doing that too. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm just trying to, to give my offerings to my best ability. <laughs> That's my puppy licking me here in this audio. Um, anywho, enjoy the podcast and yes, I give you Deb Catlin. I mean, I suppose I can say like how we met uh, is I took your course. Okay. And, um, and was so moved by, yeah. by, um, Deborah Catlin and <laughs> all you have, uh, yeah. So all of the students you have taught to be doulas and yeah. all the work that you have done. So I am super grateful to be sitting in Deborah's amazing oh. farmhouse that she has strategically made like the, is that the island of Kauai? Yes, it is. That's yes. the North Shore. So we're on the North Shore of Kauai, and we're also um, in the countryside outside of... Cheshire. In Cheshire, Oregon, yeah. outside of Eugene. And this drive was so beautiful. It is. It is. Oh I, I never minded driving back and forth to town because it's so beautiful. So beautiful. Do you, you take the Fern Ridge route? Sometimes, yeah. It depends on the mood and you know and so yeah. forth. But I love that way. And oh, if I'm in a hurry, I I go you know mm-hmm. kind of the straightforward yeah. way, or, you know, and stuff. But yeah, I don't mind the drive. I see so many things. You know, see where the, the see the moon, see mm-hmm. you know rainbows, see you know change of seasons. It's, I passed a like flock. Do you see flock of turkeys? A gaggle of turkeys. If, I think it's floppy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and like there was oh, there's a trailing one. Yeah. There was like a like a, a late one, and I was yeah. like, oh, I don't they roost here nearby. Uh, so yeah, so there's turkeys. Beautiful. There's deer that'll come out. I mean, it's yeah, yeah it's we're we're out in the country. We're in the country. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so honored to have you on this podcast. And um, yeah, and as the listeners know, I've been on this first impressions. Um, kind of it's like it's just a, it's part of my part of my thing so mm-hmm. i'm interested in mm-hmm. yeah any first impressions that are like um a big pivotal moment for you um but and also yeah your children well i mean when we first talked about this i mean what came to my mind is you know the idea of what the first impressions are and might have been for my children and I want to contrast kind of two different, very different births for me, mm-hmm. um, and and what that was like, um, and I imagine was like for them. Um, my first child, which was born in the nineteen seventies, mm-hmm. <laughs> and things were very different than they are now in some respects. Anyway, um, um, you know, I was born like he was born in like a typical delivery room. Um, and everything and at the time what they did was take the baby away so I remember as soon as he came out and that wonderful feeling when he popped out and he was a really long baby <laughs> it took a little while uh, you know the nurse picked him up and walked away with him and I had kind of been expecting to have him be given to me but they took him away they went took him in a corner of the room and um, you know, they were checking him out and suctioning him and all those kinds of things. And um, I think the hardest thing for me, because it never was a question that was asked and I didn't really think about it because I really didn't get 
very educated the first time around. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after that, they I heard him screaming. They were they circumcised him. Whoa. Yeah. And this was, you know, just kind of routinely done without even talking about it. Whoa. So that shocked me and and everything. Um, and then they took him away to the nursery. I mean, I really didn't get to hold him or, you know, and everything um, until like four hours later when they brought him to me to nurse. Mm. And... So that separation and, you know, knowing what I know now, I mean, how horrible that must have been for you him had, to come into the world. And you had just a quite like this was a unmedicated vaginal birth. Yeah, like, it, it turned it you just went in there and did your thing that they yeah, I did. And they, um, you know, they did their thing, you yeah. know, and that was a lot of those things that were routine then. Um, and instead, not even asking or talking about it. You know, especially beforehand, you know. So I always, I've always felt a big sense of kind of guilt, but also loss for on on his behalf. And it actually, when I got pregnant again, which was like eleven years later, (laughs) um, and I was living here, um, it one of was one of the motivating factors for me to have midwives and a home birth. Yeah, and that birth. And I think about the first impressions of that child and what that was like, how totally different that was because he was born right here in this home. In this home? In this home, Ah! right here on this property. (laughs) Cool. Um, He was, um, he was a big guy. He was nine and a half pounds. And he, the the midwife, you know, as soon as he came out and another thing I remember too is that it seemed a little easier the first time around in comparison mm. to the second time around mm-hmm. for when he popped out because in those days before the first one they gave routine episiotomy too oh wow so I remember that feeling of him coming out and that and just that feeling of relief but this time I had to work harder to get this bigger one out <laughs> and he you know so he he popped out and the feeling was even like more of a relief because yeah. the, you know it the, but he popped out and she took him and she put him right on my chest you know mm-hmm. and you know and he's his big chubby baby mm-hmm. <laughs> and little red hair on his head he's a redhead oh. um fuzz on his head and oh god it was just so so different and so amazing and it wasn't until maybe an hour or so later. I mean, he nursed, latched on so easily. Mm-hmm. An hour or so later that she took him even to weigh him and do all the stuff she had to do. But yeah. just having him, that feeling on my skin and seeing him and smelling him and him. And he did, and I didn't know anything about this at the time. He did the breast crawl. Yeah. You know, if you take a baby and you put it on the mother's chest and you um, leave them there, you know, it's not, it's, it's pretty short before they start crawling and look, bobbing for nipples and looking for that breast. Uh-huh. And he did that. He just crawled up right over my belly when latched right on and it was like so whoa it was such a big surprise yeah you know but he but he was you know they're so in tune they they're are. so intuitive yeah and, like they're amazing creatures no <laughs> i know it was it just we were laughing and mm-hmm. it was so amazing and so that's a big contrast in thinking about from Huge. the point of view of my children what that would have been like for them you know right and so, so yeah and that's the kind of huge right so the first impression of your first son yeah to get taken away yeah so stranger circumcised and, i mean good I mean, heavens i know all like and so yeah that's like 
that's what I'm wondering is just like, so that's the world that you get introduced to first off. And what does it say? Right. How long and how long does that, you know, is that like a forever imprint? Um, right at a cellular level it is um yeah and then and then so you have your second child who kind of got to bask in the glory of what nature would have wanted you know being familiar voices and Mm -hmm. smell I mean they really target by smell quite a bit I mean I mean the good thing is we understand more about this now there's a whole uh uh psychology movement devoted to this time and the and those kind of impressions you know mm-hmm. that are made on children and I think we need to be thinking more have people yeah. think more about that how would you like your child to be welcomed into the world mm-hmm. you know and everything so so that's that stuck with me yeah I mean and a real big motivator for the work I've done yeah, yeah. it makes sense yeah it's yeah, and it's actually it's interesting a lot of the midwives that I've interviewed or or hope to interview even, but have spoken with, this is a very common story, mm. is the first birth of their first child was in a hospital and was traumatic for mom, partner, baby. You know, and yeah. not that the hospital, that wasn't the intention. No. You know, the intention no. of the hospital it was... was to, out of ignorance, yeah. And, yeah, and to, you know, protocol and... Exactly. exactly. But but what is cool is that there is... that it, there's, It's a catalyst for change, for a lot of uh, birth workers, yes, and the second yes. birth is usually like a really rock star. Yeah. And story. a lot of our clients are ones who've had babies before and want a different birth. Right. You know, exactly. So, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we know more about it, and and a lot of places are, you know, honoring that very mm-hmm. sacred, special moment. Yeah, and, and time for both. Wait, so. can you tell what is the third? Is your third birth story? It must be the twins. Yes. Uh huh. Can you tell that story? I already know it, but it's just so fun. Well, about the dive. Oh, wasn't uh, that like one of them? Like the second one was transverse, and like there was some fear there. All right. Well. Yeah. So um, with with the twins, it's vaginal birth. It went pretty quick, Um, and um, the I just barely even had to push, you know, to get. The first baby out because oh, they were wow. somewhat smaller, although they were still average size babies. Uh-huh. Um, they were no ten pounds. <laughs> no, but there was fifteen pounds of pounds of baby in there wow. to, all together. I mean, wow. and the first one came out. He was the smaller one, um, and he was um, six six twelve. Wow! But That's she was, was she was eight seven oh pounds, God. so she had weight on him wow. <laughs> for uh, definitely a pound and a half or so more, but. Um, yeah, so he came out pretty easily because he was, in, you know, head down and everything. And mm-hmm. it was kind of unpredictable what was going to happen with the second baby. And we and I didn't know ahead of time what they were. Okay. Uh, I mean, I didn't know, you know, by clinical determination. Yeah. But I knew mm-hmm. what they were and which one was which. You did? I did. Oh, and in so fact, cool. I had bets going on it. So, <laughs> <laughs> But um, anyway, so he came out pretty easily. And then they, they did put him on my chest and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I was holding him. And then, well, the predictability was that she was long she was um actually lying uh uh sideways right you know and stuff and and the plan was and my doctor was very skilled i even though i worked with midwives i had to also work with the doctor and have a hospital birth because of it 
And uh, he was very skilled at working with twins Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so the plan was that he was going to reach up there and and kind of, after the first one was out, and Mm -hmm. kind of bring her down feet first and deliver her breech. Mm -hmm. Well, babies are very smart. And and so what she did instead is she, as soon as the first one was out, she dove head down. You know, to to go out. I think you know they know the way out. They you know, <laughs> and so um, anyway. But when she did, she kind of had her arm in the way mm. a little bit, and and um, and and stuff. So he had to do this kind of tricky maneuver that he just thought of in the moment, which I really appreciate about his you know intuition around that mm-hmm. um is he kind of had to push her hand back mm-hmm. and then he was trying to get her head to come down mm-hmm. so um so she was like diving with one hand yeah kind of, it's called a compound presentation mm-hmm. and so he held her back but he did use um attach a vacuum extractor to help pull her down mm-hmm. and so the arm would go back because mm-hmm. otherwise she, you know, he knew really how I felt about avoiding a cesarean. Yeah. Like he knew how strongly I felt about that. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, so but that, you know, happened quickly. Um, anyway, and then she came out, but she was really, really screaming. And I think now, again, that I know more about baby's experience of birth, you know, that that probably was traumatic to her yeah. because the attachment and it hurt and it was quick and it was... You know, such and, a surprise. Yeah, yeah. So she kind of ended up having a little bit, I think, a little bit of birth trauma around it, um, which you know I didn't know then. Mm-hmm. But um, but at the same time, you know, I mean, it would have been so hard to have to have a cesarean and try to take care of One two babies. Here, and, yeah. You know, and 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 everything it was hard enough in the postpartum period. So, so their births were very different as well. Um, anyway, yeah. Amazing. It's like you got a little bit of everything. I I know. (laughs) Without a cesarean, you didn't avoid the cesarean. Yeah, I was really glad to avoid that. Yeah. A very dynamic four, I guess it's four births, but like the two in one. That's amazing. Yeah. Twins is just amazing. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was incredible. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that was the easy part, the birth. Oh, right. <laughs> the hard part came later. Came later. <laughs> Which was also kind of a motivator for me to get in this field, too, because I just didn't have a lot of support. You know, I had for a couple of weeks, I had family help. But mm-hmm. once they left, it just went downhill from there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had a two and a half year old and I had, you know, stuff. And I ended up getting a really bad postpartum depression, though I didn't know what the time, at the time, what that was. Right. I just knew something was really wrong. And of course, I thought it was something wrong with me. Right. You know, uh, but that was also a motivator for getting in this field, too, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, the realization that there's just not enough support you know, out there for families and especially even ongoing support. I mean, you might get it for a couple of weeks or so after birth and then you're Mm -hmm. on your own and then it's, you know, it can, Mm -hmm. it can be great. It can be not great. Yeah. I (laughs) actually have the, the couple, I did my first couple interview, um, Casey and Britt last week and they, once we turned the cameras off or the, you know, the audio off, they both were, they were like, we have to do another one because <laughs> we didn't talk about postpartum. And they were like, yeah, we had an incredible, beautiful home birth story, like uh-huh. incredible, beautiful gestation period and all this. Uh-huh. But they were like, 
they need to know that postpartum is no bullshit. Like, right. It is a wild ride. We, and we do such a disservice to not really talk about, you yeah. know, what that could be like and what, you know, what's needed to prevent things from becoming just pure. Yeah. crisis sometimes. Well, can you, do you mind? I know that's not on our list, well, but can you go a little bit into that? And Well, I mean, again, part of it is, you know, I mean, I've said for a long time that the nuclear family concept is really a failure when it comes to raising children and, yeah. and so forth, because you just don't have that ongoing support. You don't have the village, mm-hmm. you know, there to support you with all the you know, effort that you're making. And then there's things that pull you away from that. You know, if people have to go back to work or, mm-hmm. you know, there's other things going on and, or other children. And it's so, you know, that, that lack of support is one of the biggest f- factors in people having, you know, what they call perinatal mood disorders. I mean, depression is one of the of six different symptoms that people can get Mm -hmm. so um and you're most prone to that in the childbearing years after you eventually you are more prone to that than any other time in your life so we just don't have the system built in and that's what happened for me i didn't i you know i'm out here in you know the country's beautiful but it was sure isolated there was no connection no support you know and then you're you know you can't you know trying to take care of two little babies and another one in a household and my husband had just got a job and he was working long hours you know it was just mm-hmm. it was a recipe for for you know um, disaster and yeah. it really was um you know and and it took me a long time to figure out that it wasn't my fault because the first thing we do as parents is blame ourselves there's something wrong with me I'm not capable or uh, you know and, and rather than looking at the lack of support, mm-hmm. which in many other countries they automatically provide now as the re- as the recognition that families need that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but having um, um, the mood disorder in my case, it was depression. I mean, it was just insidious. It was like a spiral mm-hmm. going down and down and down, and not feeling a way to climb out of it. Mm-hmm. it took me three years to really kind of come back to what I felt was normal. And that was, again, with not even knowing what it was. Mm -hmm. didn't have a name until I got into this field and was reading about it in my studies. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, that's what that was, you Mm -hmm. know. And, you know, today I know I should have been hospitalized. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how bad it was. But so, um, so people need to know that that can happen and what you know how to recognize it because you know i mean it did motivate me actually to do peer support for 12 years in this community mm-hmm. with people who had the different mood disorders and i mean i would even have counselors call me oh dad bought baby they didn't even recognize it mm-hmm. it's hard for the person to recognize it sometimes because oh, really? you you rationalize it and and you know and everything and then the people have missed a lot of misperceptions about what it is mm-hmm. and what causes it and all of those things and then people say oh if you just did this you just exercise you just eat right you just do this it's gonna go away it's like no <laughs> no what i really mean is like a couple of old grammys a couple yes. of aunties yes. a couple at of least like so i can teens. get some sleep and i can yeah. take a shower and they and can, I can interact with my children yeah yeah yeah, oh, yeah. And that was that was hard because i was so close to that second child and i i just you know i i couldn't give him the attention that i had you know yeah. given him before and then there were the guilt and the, 
you know, and all of that. So the, all the emotions that you go are so raw when you have something like that. They yeah. just, that's kind of what this is. It's like you can know, you lose your coping mechanism and you lose your ability to kind of hold down or, or have control of your feelings and your thoughts. Yeah. They just erupt in ways that are so destructive, yeah. you know. So, um, so that was again, the kind of a big motivator. Um, just for the, the general idea of s- more support dur- over this time period. Mm-hmm. This time period is so crucial in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, often we, we don't know that going into it. We don't know how much the birth matters to us and to the children. You know, uh, we enter into it with, oh, I'm just going to wing it kind of an attitude. (laughs) Sometimes that works and sometimes it really doesn't work. So, you know, so having, you know, more education, more support, um, having more um, awareness, um, you know, was always my goal. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I feel like that's a good time to kind of roll in. Where did that take you in your work as a doula and then training doulas and the traditional health commissions? Yeah, well, it's a long road because it's been about 30 years. Okay, yeah, long <laughs> <know>? story. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, the idea for even getting in the field um, came to me one night when I was nursing my twins. <laughs> believe it or not. Because, I do believe it. I yes. definitely well, believe it. Because I knew that I was sitting there thinking about I was not going to have any more children. I knew that I was tapped out. (laughs) (laughs) And yet it made me sad because also the people, the people that I did work with, the midwives and, and my doctor and people were so wonderful to me. Although again, their care was limited, you know, Mm -hmm. because of the time frames that you spend with them. And, you know, and that's the thing about postpartum, you know, you leave, you know, your midwife goes home. I mean, you might get care for six weeks and that's very limited. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, you're done. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, the, and it's not their role to do that anyway, right. but, um, but the care was so good, mm-hmm. you know, and everything that uh, I felt like I really want to be around this, mm-hmm. you know, and I really want to, you know, you know, especially that second birth, it was just one of the most amazing experiences. It's been the highlight of my life, yeah. you know, uh, the feelings that you have about it and the feelings, um, that carry on for a long time in your, in your own memory and your own personal history, um, or were so strong that mm-hmm. I wanted other people to have a birth like that mm-hmm. because I already had had the comparison of the two the two different births and it's like everybody should have this you know it's like what can i I feel too yeah (laughs) what what can i do to help help that happen what can i do to help people not feel this the the opposite the lowest low of your life you know this major depression and Mm -hmm. you know and stuff and it's like so those were the motivating factors and i got that idea and i thought and i kind of got the idea too because i had taken classes with my second child and then I went to back to the same childbirth educator to take a special personal um, personal class with her just about having twins Mm -hmm. you know so and at that time she told me that she was moving out of state and it's like I had that feeling and then I thought when it's like there was a vacuum Mm -hmm. you know going to be in the community for for uh, the classes that she taught which Mm -hmm. were really good and I thought I should do that Nice. And that's exactly what happened. It was like a bubbling thought in the middle oh. of the night. And I, the next day, I started researching and, 
like, how can I do this? And wow. I found you know, an organization in Portland. And I really, I started on that path right then and there. Amazing. So then I um, became a childbirth educator. I started teaching classes in the community. And I taught for the very same midwives that I had worked with, mm-hmm. their clients and stuff cool. for a while. Um, and uh, then uh, there was a midwifery school that opened up in the community, and then I was um, taught taught some classes for them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, taught some classes for them, and um, you know, I had really had branched out, you know, a lot as a childbirth educator. You know, can I ask a quick Uh question? Was it did you do it in the style that you taught us, like at your home? Not at my home. No, they had a classroom. They had a classroom. Yeah. Yeah, so so um, so I, those were the, the the two things that I did for quite a while, and it was right at that time in like the early nineties. So it was nineteen ninety four. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole idea about doulas, Dona International, uh, was founded in ninety two, mm-hmm. and then they held their very first conference in Seattle. Um, and along with that, they had a, t- a teacher training. Nice. Um, so they were trying to start you know, having trainers mm-hmm. to train doulas. Mm-hmm. And so since I had already been doing that and had, you know, been been able to go to some births and stuff. And anyway, I applied and I accepted, I was accepted and I nice. went up there. So I went to that to training. the first one. The very first. How cool. I think there was I'm, maybe another trainer training with some other people up in Seattle first, mm-hmm. but it was the first conference t- um, tied with a t- teacher training. That's so cool. I took that and from there started teaching you know, in this community, kind of for the school first, but then they kind of went away. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I started doing it on my own. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and it has been very rewarding. But I also simultaneously taught um, in the community. Um, I worked with a person. We, we co-founded a nonprofit and taught that for that organization for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then that kind of... Didn't work out so well monetarily wise. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to make a big decision to either fight, you know, find something else to do, or I had met a lot of really cool people at the local hospital mm-hmm. and, and, and I actually applied and I was the first non-nurse educator ever wow. in, in there, ever. you know, cause they usually had nurses they pulled yeah. off the floor, sure. you know, but, uh, so then I taught for them for 15 years in the I community, the hospital classes and wow. stuff. Um, yeah, did lots of other things in the community, teaching-wise, like the teen parent program. And uh, I don't know, at one point, I think I had like six different related job, <laughs> teaching jobs. Wow. <laughs> you know, so it was kind of pieced together, a career oh. pieced together. But it's been very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um and but I do feel the doula thing made more of a difference mm-hmm. because you know parents are getting so much information and sometimes they don't get information mm-hmm. from lots of different sources. Um, and you're kind of you know, as a childhood educator, you don't know what they're hearing and taking away mm-hmm. from it. You know, I mean, I know I made a difference sometimes, but I felt that I felt like the doula thing was more, um more of a ripple effect because for each duel it would serve each family I think it makes more of an impact Mm -hmm. um and that's 
that's been proven, yeah, you know, now totally. as we look at, I mean, I never would have imagined that from where things started, it would be where it is today, Yeah, you know, and, and everything. But, you know, that just seemed like uh, it made more of a difference when you have that one-on-one connection with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, through a very um, intimate and transformational experience you give them the right kind of care, it's, I, I mean, I've seen miracles happen. Yeah. Really. So, yeah. and I know that even if some of the people who took the, the courses didn't even go do a birth, I knew they were carrying a different message Definitely. out there about birth. Yeah. You know, and, and so people would start hearing different things and hearing some truths and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and stuff. And, you know, and look where it's gone. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I know. I'm actually like I'm. I wish I had those numbers memorized from um, from Ida May's, like the her guide to childbirth. Oh yeah. And there is like there's a there's just this beautiful graph. I'll have to I'll put it in the show notes. But it uh-huh. is it's like it's it's statistics on. Um, I think it's like epidural, um, cesarean birth. Yeah, it's like it's like unmedicated, epidural, and cesarean. Those are the three mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, categories, I think. And it's like, and with doulas, the numbers are all like oh. s- so significantly lower than oh, if it's, it's just it, it's, it's it's amazing. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's but it, and it comes back to exactly what you're saying. It's support. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's support. It's like it's a ripple effect of support and and how the nuclear family and this whole this mm-hmm. sort of modern age um we have come to a lot of great uh beautiful next level um understandings from a medical perspective or from a scientific perspective mm-hmm. but this idea of emotional support mm-hmm. you know kind of got pushed by the wayside for a while and so now that it's being reintroduced you know just with somebody believing that you can do what you're doing mm-hmm. by your side during the process of birth, like mm-hmm. how that can change the outcome. <laughs> yeah, it does. And it even changes those difficult births. You know, I mean, I think about all some of the really challenging and difficult births and people told, you know, said if you hadn't been there, you know, I mean, just the, you know, it, it can really reduce the chances of, you know, a, a mood disorder and trauma, it's a very mitigating factor in any mm-hmm. birth, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely, because there's so much that's not controllable and it's not predictable, totally. you know, and stuff. So it really, um, it really makes a huge difference. And, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk about what, what is that? What is it that the doula brings, mm-hmm. you know? And part of it is, again, that going into the relationship with unconditional support you know, and that's a challenge for many doulas as we sometimes have our own personal mm-hmm. ways that we would like to do things ourselves, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, you have to be able to set that aside. This is not about me. This is about them. Mm-hmm. And you don't know, you know, you can't control certain parts of your path, although you can control certain things. And I mm-hmm. think that's part of what we bring is the educational piece. You know, they said you can affect your birth in many ways. You just don't have to turn yourself over. 
you know, to somebody else to make decisions for you to do what they want to do and whatever. There's so much that you can control, Mm -hmm. but you also have to be open to what you can't, Mm -hmm. you know, and factors and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that part of it, you know, but also the relationship. Um, And it's actually been shown um, that, you know, Amy Gilliland talks about this. She's a a PhD, she's a doula trainer, um, she calls it the, the doula effect, which really is uh, creating that rapport, and especially when you, which helps you, people kind of open up and share with you, mm-hmm. and be vulnerable, but it, but they have to feel safe, yeah. the biggest thing in birth is feeling safe, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and then you can allow yourself to open to that that amazing, you know, creative life force and let it happen. And when you can do that, and you know, and there's challenging times that come up in birth, what what they feel is by the pre-support that you give, when you get in the birth room, and the doula kind of has these skills, and we do hone those skills in the training too, is being able to really be there and be present and be connected with another person. And when the person, if they do at times in their labor, uh, get stressed or get worried or afraid, you know, they send signals. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the behaviors that people uh, are afraid of having in labor and birth are simply signals that that there's something that's you know making them feel unsafe or scared or whatever. And then when you send those signals, you want somebody to respond, it's like throwing out a life ring. Mm-hmm. You know, you want somebody to respond to that. Mm-hmm. So the doula's response, or if they have a really connected and empathetic um, partner, mm-hmm. the doula frees up the partner to be that person. And yeah. I've seen that happen so many times. That they you throw out that and you respond and you get them through it you get them past it mm-hmm. and so that the very nature of that dynamic um, plus all of the other things we do the comfort things you mm-hmm. know the and, and they might seem like little things in a moment but people remember those things you know oh. that cool that cold washcloth on your forehead that good back rub you know those are the, also the things we do too so they give relief but the p- most powerful part is that is that um, that vulnerability, re- you know, signaling for help, somebody responding and responding appropriately, yeah. you know, and, and uh, being able to get you through that moment. Um, and then there's that trust, that, that deeper trust that gets built. And when you feel safe and you feel that you have trust with somebody, and hopefully even more people in the whole room, mm-hmm. you then your body has those amazing, helpful hormones that are able to do the job of the labor. But more importantly, those hormones that affect your uh, your sense of well-being. Mm-hmm. They mean, they're designed to have you feel some of the most amazing, intense feelings, positive feelings you've ever had right. in your whole life. Mm-hmm. And... So when that happens, then it colors the whole experience so differently. Totally. Even when things are hard, especially, especially when things, when things are hard. Because <laughs> <laughs> they do. They, yeah. they, they can get, you know, very difficult. But yeah. but that's what they're seeing. They're seeing that. And, and, and what you're saying, to, or what I'm gathering that you're saying, if you can clarify for me, is that also there's a ripple effect of that then 
in the hours after birth. Oh, yeah. In the years after. In the months and the years and the decades. Yes. And that's the, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned and what I tailor my teaching towards is those, the effect of those hormones, you know, nature is very wise. I mean, it knows birth is hard. So it gives us these things to help counteract those potential negative effects. And when you can give birth without being afraid, Mm -hmm. um, then the experience is so different and those hormones are doing their job and they feed on each other. Mm -hmm. They orchestrate the whole birth. But when that baby comes out, you have the biggest hit of oxytocin is one of the major hormones that makes you have the contractions, but it's also one of the most rewarding and pleasurable hormones that we have in our lives. And so, and there's endorphins, you know, there's all kinds of things that give all these positive feelings and effects. And the baby shares those for one thing. So that colors the baby's experience, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it, um, it carries on afterwards. And especially when you nurse and you continue to produce higher levels of those hormones. And it's what connects us as human beings. Those, you know, so when you have, you know, it's part of the bonding that goes on, you know, between you and and your children and that bonding, you know, it's, it sounds like really nice to talk about all that, but the really the major effect of that, that is different for people and those, and every birth is different. I mean, I had different levels of bonding with each of my births and a lot sure. of it was because of what happened and didn't mm-hmm. happen during those times and what was going on in my life and what was going on with me. Mm-hmm. But so, so those things are kind of nature's insurance that it's so important that we be strongly bonded to our children. And the reason why is it because it opens up things in our brain that allow us to be more perceptive mm. and more properly interact with our children, respond to the signals they send us. And then we're more like, you know, it, makes us more receptive and aware. I mean, that that second birth where that I had at home and we were so bonded, we still are to this day, so strongly bonded. Mm-hmm. It's like almost telepathic. Yeah. Yeah, you're so deeply connected. Mm-hmm. And, and then your responses are more on target and they're more empathetic. Mm-hmm. And then you're more likely to, you know, hit on the right response sooner and your baby is more content. And guess what? A content baby who feels secure is is the one that is like, ah, okay, I feel good. Now, let's look around at the world. Mm-hmm. What is going on? Then they learn better. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because all these different um, disciplines in college and psychology and early learning and stuff, they know something about this, but they don't make the connection that well-bonded, well-attached parents their the children learn better. They learn differently. Yeah. They are um, they build more resilience in in the child and the person. Yeah. They there's so much that they do, but people don't always make the connect mm-hmm. between what happens in pregnancy, in birth, in those early years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if it's because we forget. Simply, you know, like our cellular level, I don't think forgets, but no. I think our fast paced modern world, you know, like we forget, oh, this was a baby, you know, or like, like, that's why I really like, this is so beautiful how this evolves. Like you're just <laughs> jiving and I love it. Well, it's so, all, you know, you just figure it out. 
Yeah. And other people have figured it out. I mean, of course, yeah. as history goes. But so your own birth into this world, can we just like kind of spiral? Oh, and well, it's our- interesting because, you know, after I had been in this field for a while and just learned a lot of things about, you know, the effect of the birth process on, on the children, I went to my mom and at the time she was 80 years old and she had started showing little signs of dementia mm-hmm. and stuff. But when I asked her, mom, I'd like to talk about my birth because it's really funny. She had, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest of nine kids and, and she wow. never really talked about her birth other than a couple of times. Cause she had some bunch of kids and big boys, like 10, 11 pound <laughs> babies that she popped out and she, and I'm built like her. She's like, you know, I'm five foot three and yeah. kind of on the heavy side, but you know, she popped him out, but she had never really talked about it, you know, mm-hmm. that much. And I asked her about my birth and she said, she said, yeah, she said it was really so amazing. Cause she actually, she didn't have any medication. So she had her babies at a Catholic hospitals mm-hmm. and they didn't kind of really push that very much, mm-hmm. you know, on people. Um, so she had them pretty much all naturally. Um, and she said that her doctor was a family doctor when, when I was born, that he took me and put me on my mom's chest and let her hold me. Mm-hmm. In those days, they typically would take the babies away and mm-hmm. take them to the nursery right away, just like they did in my mm-hmm. 1970 birth <laughs> and stuff. But he kind of was wise. You know, he knew mm-hmm. somehow. I mean, this is not new stuff. I mean, people have known this stuff a long time. Mm-hmm. But so I did get to be with my mom and I know that she was a good mom and she was very nurturing Mm -hmm. and all of that you know so I just I don't know I don't you know after I learned that I went huh you know is that what is that something that without conscious awareness influenced me Mm -hmm. you know and who I am and and why I I really feel the depth of this you know, uh, these ideas, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, it yeah. makes you wonder. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I only knew that in hindsight, but mm-hmm. of course it's just, yeah, I love, I love that piece. I think it's really interesting. Um, that one of my mentors is, she's just, I mean, she's been teaching it to me for years, but I'm getting to a point where I feel like I might move into sharing it. I mean, I do share it when I, when I teach clients about birth uh, class uh-huh. like when I do my birth work mm-hmm. um, but it's called the four baskets and it's a it's uh. actually a Vedic practice yeah oh uh-huh. and um and it's uh, conception and conception is like the moment of sperm yes. egg but yeah. also like your concept your concept of oh. baby or you know becoming uh-huh. a mother or becoming a father like what is your concept and so it's both and you mm-hmm. kind of like look mm-hmm. at that then the second basket would be gestation uh-huh. which is like for a moment that you find out when mama finds out she's pregnant and to right up to the big labor day right and then basket three is labor and birth mm-hmm. and then basket four is a six hours after uh-huh and the um in India, they teach it to, they teach the four baskets only to Indians. Uh, they haven't been teaching it to Americans or Westerners uh-huh. or people who have been coming. Um, and I'm actually not quite sure why, but it's more of like a recipe. That's how my teacher, Catherine, was telling huh. me. It's like a recipe that they teach primarily young women. Like, if you want to have an amazing human, 
like make the bat oh. like like focus on their baskets. Oh my gosh, I love it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that <gasps> amazing? I yes. know. And she's actually sent me um, like I, she's like in the process of writing a book and making this teachings like and making them more. You're gonna love it. We'll have an off the camera talk about that. Oh great! But um, that's but, amazing. Yeah, it is amazing, and it's just like it's so interesting to think because. You know, a lot of these conversations that I'm so blessed to be having with people like yourself mm-hmm. on this podcast and being able to share it with the world, essentially, yeah. um, is it's always it's usually like there's so much like, oh, I wish I had known that. You know, it's like after that first birth right. <laughs> or after whatever, you know, and there's a lot. And of course, like we as humans, like that's how we learn. That's how we learn. But what's so cool and interesting is that we were all born. Yeah. So we all actually have experienced birth. Yes. Even those of, those of us who are never going to be mothers or never going to be fathers, we've all experienced birth. Right. And so what we can do is guided meditation, drop back into right. what right. it was like. And so right. if we can do a guided meditation or a series of them, right. and also just be in the company of people that are comfortable to talk about it right. or to listen to a podcast where to you know, very rational, mature adults are talking about this topic. And because then you can imagine just anybody, you know, John Smith can be listening to this podcast because his sister's pregnant. And he's Mm -hmm. just like, oh, I'm kind of interested in that. Mm -hmm. And what John Smith can learn about himself is that whether or not he can converse with his own mother and father about his conception or, Mm -hmm. you know, gestation and labor and the six hours after birth, Whatever you can come up with from your, you know, your maybe your biological parents or mm-hmm. aunts and uncles who might have been mm-hmm. in the process or, and then if, you know, one of my clients recently, her mother was deceased and they never got a chance to have that talk, you uh-huh. know? So then that was more of like a, a real cellular memory moment for her. Uh-huh. But what's cool is that when you think about it from your own perception, you might just care a little more about you know what I mean right. like like do you want to be born and get ripped out from your mama and taken away and put oh, yeah. in a box and wrapped up by a stranger and you know tested rectally for your temperature and all this <laughs> stuff like why you yeah. know like maybe yeah. that's not important maybe maybe it would be nicer to be born in the comfort of the bed that you were also conceived in, in the arms. In love, hopefully. In love, hopefully, or, you know, in the arms of your parents or whatever, you know, like, Uh it's just cool to think that, like, we all have birth as, like, a common thread. Yes. Right? Like, it is all how we all came here. And, you know, how do you want, how do you want, how do you want that to have happened to you? And, yeah. and, and, you know, and Catherine even does like a, a re, you just get to do a rebirth. Yes. So you, yeah. you know, you go through and I was a scheduled cesarean. So no, actually my brother was scheduled. I was a cesarean. Um, but you know, and so personally I got to like do the meditation uh-huh. on how it was and then do the meditation on my rebirth and like kind of give myself a new story. Right. And, right. And that's it's reprogramming. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Mm-hmm. And then to give, to give that to birthing parents, you know, to expecting parents to go through those right. meditations and to think about that can help to like set, you know, on a, on just a different, more intimate 
um, and respectful birth path for their own. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, I love your story about the baskets because, I mean, I think a lot of cultures have an understood on some level yes. that is not would not be labeled a scientific label um, is, you know, understood some of these concepts. And now that we have more scientific understanding from, you know, neuroscience and epigenetics and stuff mm -hmm. about the truth of those things, mm -hmm. it's really come full circle. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so usually people have figured some of those things out and why they built in their societies some of these natural protections, like protecting the pregnant woman because the, the, the pregnant person and the baby are so intricately linked that whatever you do with them and, and stuff and don't do with them, mm -hmm. you know, to nurture and support them, um, it directly affects that child that's developing in the womb. And even going back to conception, I mean, now there's like preconception counseling available and things yeah. like that to try to, because even the sperm and the egg that come together mm -hmm. in the moment that they are existing in that person's body mm -hmm. are influenced by what's going on with that person at that point in their life. So here they come together and they form a new being and then that being grows and what's going on during the pregnancy, what happens during the birth, Earth, what happens, like you said, in those, in those periods, and I think much even longer, sure. you know, afterwards, mm -hmm. um, in those early years of life, um, we we just now have the the scientific labeling of 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 that core understanding. I think a lot of people do have in their cultures, mm -hmm. and we've lost that, totally. you know. I think so. We're coming full circle, bringing yeah. that back. And when I learned those things, it's like, oh, oh, I get it. You know, it all makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, epigenetics that you know that you're influenced by what goes on in you and around you yeah. on a on a molecular chemical level, and it affects your DNA and all of those things. And then you carry that on. It's intergenerational. I mean, look what's going on in the world right now finally the recognition that oh well yeah you know people don't get it that the enslaved people that was 400 years ago what how does it affect now oh my gosh yeah. you know when you look at it from the, the viewpoint of you know epigenetically you know the trauma is there know, and the trauma it's still there yeah. and, it, and the thing is it never stopped when you know people were supposedly freed because they never right. they weren't really but right. so if making those connections about mm -hmm. You know, and that's the kind of work we're doing now, you know, which kind of is leads into the work that I'm doing with the Traditional Health Worker Commission because, mm, cool. oh, what a great, I know, what, what a great segue here. Ba -da, ba -da. <laughs> but it was like, so, you know, all these years I've been teaching for parents and teaching doulas and then, you know, and then we've gotten so much good, you know, many studies about the benefits of doulas and finally people are going, well, maybe we should think about adding doulas to the birth team. And now when, when you were getting all the statistics on the outcomes, the health disparities, especially among people of color and, and indigenous, indigenous peoples and people mm -hmm. under other kinds of stressful kinds of situations um you know maybe we should think and that's what oregon did very, oregon is very forward thinking so um maybe we should think about providing doulas because most of the people that are on the medicaid population can't afford a doula right. you know and it's like um you know maybe we should think about providing those and so people brought that idea to the state because they looked at the studies and look to think, you know this is a good idea and then they passed the legislation i got an email from somebody saying like the first doula got paid from 
Uh, it's been a while. They yeah, people have gotten paid, uh, and they just I uh, hear I heard they just raised the rates too. Or maybe that was it. That's it probably was so, it. It was a big. It was so yeah. exciting. It's it's finally happened, mm-hmm. but um, but that idea and it it you know and I got involved with it kind of after the bill you know after they the final report came out that, that basically said we should do this mm-hmm. and and kind of ideas about how to do that. It's so funny. I'm just remembering. I am having a flashback to like the first time I cold called you. It was like two years ago. Was it? Uh huh. Uh-huh. And you were. Who had just talked to like some movement in Florida had happened. Oh, um, it's happening all over. It's yeah, but yeah. that's crazy. I just had like a flashback. Yeah, people like, have been calling us, yeah, and you. asking about like how are you doing this yeah. kind of thing. But that you know, um, so I got involved with it, you know, kind of at that point, and have been involved in it since. In the terms of okay, there's the concept and then there's the implementation of the concept. And because this had never been done, you know, and stuff, there were so many things that had to be figured out. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the role I took upon myself because I kind of over the last few years, it just just ended up just just doing doula training. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I had more time on my hands and stuff. So I kind of had dedicated myself um, to that and... um, trying to help figure out, you know, all the different pieces that have to be in place for this to go from concept to a doula paid and client served. Right. And it's taken several years to do that. Yeah. So I got on the uh, Traditional Health Worker Commission. Um, I'm on the Systems Integration Subcommittee and really have, again, just doing, you know, talking to so many different people because... I equate it to that old joke about, you know, there's uh, there's some sort of an animal in the room and people are feeling different parts of it and trying to guess what it is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody finally, when you finally see the whole thing, you see it's an elephant. Yeah. You know, somebody's feeling the ears, somebody feeling the feet, and guess, <laughs> guessing, and it's like, uh, so everybody had a different piece of it. Yeah. So that's one of my fortes is, is kind of being able to see the whole picture, but also mm-hmm. see like this piece needs to be, figured out and figured out and so just talking to people getting the information putting the uh, you know putting the different pieces together to make it happen meeting with people forming work groups you know that kind of uh, stuff mm. um, and you know and it's been a statewide work you know going to different parts of the state talking to the doulas talking to the health care system people mm-hmm. like everybody has a different part of it yeah you know and how do we make come come together to make this work yeah so so that's kind of what it has been going on um, and it just feels like it was a good um, transition into taking you know the the work that I've done in you know, and the learning that I have and then applying it in, in uh, a way to, um, it's, it's my community service, service you know, it's yeah. some, it's a way to, as I'm ending my career, you know, being able to pull all of that together and, and contribute mm-hmm. to uh, making it happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, 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 I'm not going to usually pat myself on the back much, but I will pat myself on the back for the, the effort and time yes. I've put in money, you yes. know, to uh, to try to, you know, pull these pieces together. And there's, again, a lot of other people involved, and I don't want to sure. minimize that. But it just 
like you just need somebody to build the web, you know. Totally. And that's you know, so I'm the spider. You're the spider weaving the web. <laughs> but <laughs> um, and, and it's finally happened, you know, that people are um, getting served. The doulas, you know, are getting trained. We're really trying to build the workforce and especially diversify the workforce. That's the big thing because the the really main impetus behind this is to reducing those health disparities among certain groups. And um, and having community-based doulas, doulas who come from those communities to serve their own because yeah. they know their special challenges and their needs. And, and you know, it just works a lot better yeah. um, when you do that. So we've still got a long ways to go in building that diverse community. and uh, But there's been some exciting things happen with that, too. Um, so... Um, Anyway, so that there it is, it is uh, happening. The people doulas are getting um, pay, paid and reimbursed, and they're getting paid at higher rates. And mm-hmm. I guess the rate has even gone up on the statewide rate. Mm-hmm. But the healthcare system is really finding they're finding the benefits. The statistics are amazing. Yeah. Of course they are. Of course they are. You know that they're so getting. Good. They can't even believe it. Yeah. You know, it's like their guess at what it might be at the beginning is this like. 10 times better, you know, so. than what they might have thought it would be. Mm-hmm. So it's it's paying for itself. For sure. But they're paying the dual. I mean, they're saving the system so much more money yeah. than that. So that's exciting, you know. It's exciting. And the emotional, like, repercussions or, oh, yeah. you know, the ripple effect that will come from that is, yeah. It's, you know, if you're talking about empowering people, yeah. you know, you're like to have an empowered birth is then an empowered mother with an empowered partner with an empowered child yes. because they birthed in power. I mean, it's just like amazing. Yeah. That is- and that power, that empowerment comes from so many different possibilities. Yeah. That's the exciting thing is, yeah. you know, you can be empowered, you know, by, by the, any kind of a birth, whatever mm-hmm. kind of a birth. I mean, you know, I, I have one story that I, I do want to tell about this woman that I met. Um, and I met her when she came, she, I used to do groups for the, you know, depression, anxiety kind of, mm-hmm. you know, situations. I used to do support groups mm-hmm. and this one woman came and her story is, it's still to this day just gets me, but, um, she had a really traumatic birth experience and it's hard to talk about horror stories, but, Mm-hmm. you know she ended up having a baby that was um he was a big boy and he got kind of stuck in a posterior position and they ended up using forceps but anyway she got a really deep tear fourth degree tear which is something mm-hmm. you really want to try to avoid mm-hmm. um and and just the whole way that all, everything happened and she was really traumatized by that um she ended up having ptsd um about it um anyway she came to my group and i and then i for years and yeah. you know I still in contact with her mm-hmm. at this point but um and 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 that you know people just don't always understand that things like that can happen and that you need help so I got her you know into some support and and counselors and therapists and blah she ended up having to have reconstruction surgery and it was a really horrible story mm-hmm. but the good thing was that the wrecking I recognized it you know and got her that help but at the same time um you know it's affected her her life because she also has physical repercussions from that yeah. and still to this day mm-hmm. but um she 
what was empowering is that she got pregnant again, maybe five years later, I mm-hmm. think. And, and, and she had, had had so much damage. She said, there's just no way I can give birth vaginally. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and plus the trauma, you know, mm-hmm. of re, possibly reliving anything like that, yeah. you know. And so we planned this beautiful cesarean birth, mm-hmm. you know, and I was able to go to that birth nice. with her. And that feeling of being able to know what you need, somebody to listen to you mm-hmm. and respect you. We had a great doctor. Mm-hmm. We had a great team, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what didn't happen the first time. <laughs> that was part of her experience, too. Yeah. And, and you know, and everything. And we made the most wonderful birth for her. And she felt so empowered by that. So I will cool. choose what happens to me and my body and my psyche. Yeah. And, and you know, so she's in there in surgery and I'm standing there by her and she's going, this is a piece of cake. <laughs> Compared to that last Yeah. Said, and it's not that trying to say that cesarean birth is any easier because often right. it's not. Right. You know? But in this case. But in this case, you know, so the empowerment of those are the things that really matter in people that they, they take, they express their needs, they're heard, that they're responded to appropriately, that they get to choose. You know, and even if a choice ends up feeling later on, you feel bad about it, you still chose it. It's different with our system today. So, you know, taking control and telling people what to do and doing things without their permission, without them being educated and informed about it. Mm. You know, those are the things that are causing trauma more than anything, you know, rather than necessarily the physical aspects. Mm -hmm. So empowerment is, is a tricky word because... Empowerment means power within. You cannot empower someone else. They have to empower themselves. And that's what a lot of people do, especially when they've had an experience they weren't happy with. It it can empower them to choose different, to learn, to become educated, to gather more support, to, you know, to do what they have to do to make them, uh, you know, be able to influence, you know, what happens to them, what happens to their children, and the partners too. I mean, mm-hmm. so many, so many. I love the fathers. I mean, mm-hmm. I love to watch those fathers just turn into I call them marshmallow dads yeah. when they get to hold their babies and yeah. see their babies and see their woman. You know, get, do this hard thing and and completely transform. Even the most stoic, you know, you think repressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are humbled uh-huh. in the in the face of birth and the face of meeting their baby. Yeah, you know, and I, it made me think. I was thinking about this last night. You asked me to talk about different stories, and the yeah. one the one that I that really stuck with me about, and especially about the for the fathers and, and most thing was this one where I had this couple that came to a birth class, and they came up to me after the first class, and. Um, they were expressing interest in, you know, I, I kind of mentioned doulas a little bit, you know, and because um, I mentioned the things that they can do to mm-hmm. help them affect their birth, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So they came up and they were, they were interested in that. And anyways, this, this couple, they had moved here from San Francisco. And he, he was very open and he, and he was very, um, you know, very forthright about you know, we moved here. I moved out of San Francisco because I was locked into this horrible, 
a place of drugs and violence and oh and he said I'm the last person left in my family my parents are dead I have no other family I've met this beautiful strong woman she was she was a toughy bitch <laughs> she, she said he don't she don't put up with my you know what uh-huh. she tells me what to do and I just go yeah okay you know because I've learned if I don't listen to her I suffer you know it was really funny their dynamic it was hilarious you know and they wanted to have a natural birth and stuff mm-hmm. and he goes but this is this is my legacy I, this is my child that you know and I want to have this you know I want to do everything I can, we can to make sure this baby is good and safe and I want to give it a different world than I grew up in it was so hard you know yeah. heartbreaking you know to hear what had happened in his life but yet here's one of those transformative situations you know so anyway so we go to the birth and she, it was a long one. He was big. I knew he was going to be a big boy because just the, the father was big. She was big. You know, yeah. I just knew he was going to be a little chubbo. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Here it, comes. it was a long birth, you know, and so, but, you know, finally we get to pushing. Finally we get, you know, to, um, and it had probably been just 18 hours alone in the hospital, let alone time in the early labor part, you know, at home. Mm-hmm. Actually, like a long time at home, like 20 hours at home. Wow. Anyway. Um, but she was doing great. She yep. was a true. Yep, she was doing great. She was strong. Anyway, but here, finally, we get to the point. She's pushing, but Fanny could see the baby's head. Yes, you know, <laughs> it's like he gets so excited. His eyes get so big, and he goes out of there. He, he goes, he goes, come out of there, you fat little effer! <laughs> come on, come on! <laughs> Yeah, we all just died oh, laughing. That's so good. You know, and when that baby did, came she out, laugh the baby oh, at that point. Oh, pretty <laughs> much, yeah, we all were dying laughing because you know, oh, he's repeating that's... that. Yeah, come out of it. You know, because he had that really rough language. You know, they they wore the yeah. you know the chains and the whole bit. Um, you know, he had a pit bull dog. <laughs> you know, it was like the whole scene. But yet to watch this guy <laughs> just be humbled yeah. by his woman, mm-hmm. but also this baby and he came out and of course she got to hold him first it was a little boy which she was thrilled about because they didn't say (laughs) they didn't know they They kept it a surprise but he was so excited Mm -hmm. oh you know (laughs) anyway so she held but when he held that baby Mm. and his I mean he does ball I mean then everybody's ball the doctor's balling the nurses (laughs) are all balling it was so so um God, I'll never forget that, oh, you know. It was yeah. funny, but it was also just, you could just tell that yeah. he he was going to do everything, you know, possible for that kid to have, have a different life, yeah. you know. So that's the kinds of things that I've seen is the transformations in people. Mm-hmm. And there's different things that bring that about. Totally. You know, and again, it's not a certain kind of birth, you know. Of course, I've seen many, many natural births and, you know, and stuff, but, mm-hmm. uh, but there, there, it's just that transformative yeah. nature. Not limited to, yeah. I like what you said too about, um, empowerment. You can't empower someone else. They have to empower themselves. Right. And then, and so what that really means too, is like, you have to know what you need. Right. You know, like that's where the, and somebody has to ask you and listen. And that's what, that's where the, another person can help someone empower themselves. Totally. Giving them information, listening to them, believing them for Mm -hmm. gosh sakes, 
because you can feel so isolated, right? Yeah. Like we can feel isolated inside of our own heads, trying to come up with the answers, trying to make a decision, trying, right. but it is until you can share, you know, with a, someone else who is empathetic and who is loving and who and is validating, validating, then you, yes. then you, then you can move past that point. Cause a lot of times people get stuck, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then when you hear, when you hear it, reflected, you know, through another person who is empathetic like that, it's like, then you can go the next step further Mm -hmm. and the next step and the next step. And you get Mm -hmm. down to, uh, the real nitty gritty of Mm -hmm. things. You remember that exercise we did in the workshop, Mm -hmm. you know, where you get down to, you know, with the non-dominant hand, get down to the feelings, get get down to the needs, you know, and like, what is this really, really about? Yes. That's the thing that you need to be able to lead someone into what is this really about? And when they figure that out, then the answers come, the strategies, like the actions you can take. But yes. if you can't get past the the feelings, you know, and the emotions, and, you know, and you brought that up earlier, too. Um, this work is one of the most touchy, touchy-feely feels I think you could ever be in, literally. <laughs> literally. literally. Quite and, literally. Uh, and I tell people that going into it, you yeah. know. And so that we have lost sight for so long about the importance of our emotional being, our emotional body, our, our spiritual body, our... We've lost touch with that, you know, in, in, in deference to logic and reason and, and thinking that we've lost that ability to use, to recognize that the emotions and, um, that we have are extremely valuable to our well-being. Yeah. And that was the biggest lesson I learned in my life. And this work helped me learn that, mm-hmm. is that your, the feelings that you have are trying to tell you something. Mm-hmm. Just like you have physical symptom, uh, sensations in your body that feel good, sensations that don't. They're trying to tell you something. Even pain is trying to tell you something. But emotions are also trying to tell you something. So instead of mm-hmm. ignoring them or telling yourself you shouldn't have them or repressing them or being shamed for them, mm-hmm. we need to be able to recognize them for the important information they're trying to tell us about our well-being or our not well-being. The reason you're feeling this way is because something ain't right with you in your world. Okay? And it's like, so what is that? What are you feeling? Because usually it means, if it's a negative emotion, it usually means something is missing or lacking or not, you know, not making you feel safe or or uh, honored or valued or, you know, there's so many things it could not be, you know. So what is that? Mm-hmm. And being able to access that, um, allow yourself to feel the emotion, try to give it a name. And there's lots of tools out there now that, you know, emotion wheels and We've things like that. Oh, I know. It's so cool. It you is know, so it's like, cool. It's like name, name it. Yeah. What is that feeling? Mm-hmm. And what is it trying to tell you? What is it that you're missing? You're lacking. What is it that you need right now? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that you need in your life? But we're certainly not taught that. Oh God, I know. I mean, it's an important skill really for functioning. I think it's the most important skill. For God's sakes. I think it really is. It is. And, and then I mean. once you do that, then you, then, then you can move to that place of, okay, what do I need to do to get that need met? Right. 
I mean, it can be serious too. I mean, if you're living with an unsafe partner, sure, you might have to make a big change, sure, to be able to get safety, yeah, and and be able to feel better mm-hmm. and not be so stressed and depressed and anxious and all of those things. I mean, that's kind of what's going on with mental illness. You're stuck in one of those places, that state, kind of more mm-hmm. not just transient, transient, yeah. Can't say the word, but it's not just transient, not just a moment, it's not just part of a bad day. Right. It's a part of a bad life. Right. You know. And I had to learn that. Yeah. And, and and you have to make changes and to and go towards the things that are gonna make you feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's true for birth too, because you go you go in and out of so many emotions, you know, yeah. during your pregnancy, during your birth, in the postpartum period. It's like mm. you know. Yeah, what is it that's making me feel the way I'm feeling? And when it feels great and it feels good and you on um, the joy, I mean, it's like it's it's like kind of one of those opposite things. There's mm-hmm. a, a spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, from the most extreme joy that you could ever feel in your life yep. to the the deepest, yeah. darkest hole. <laughs> you know, there, all of that exists in that short period of time, mm-hmm. and and you're also more affected by it Mm -hmm. this is one of the things about coming back to the doula role is Mm -hmm. people who are in that childbearing cycle Mm -hmm. um partly because of the hormones but just partly the nature of the fact of you are making such a profound change in your life and you're more open to change Mm -hmm. so while you're going through a lot of changes you're more open to change Mm -hmm. and therefore you're more open to learning Mm -hmm. But it also means you're more open in general. You're more open to hurt, too. Mm-hmm. This is where mistreatment and discrimination and, mm-hmm. you know, all of the things that can happen in negative ways during mm-hmm. that time can affect a person much deeper. Right. You're more, as Christiane Northrup says, you're more porous. Yeah. Everything hits deeper, on again, on that cellular level. And that's yeah. the epigenetics going yeah. on. But when you are in that place... Um, there is opportunity and a, you know, a window there mm-hmm. that will close shortly after that child is born mm-hmm. of being uh, available for transformation and change and, and in your life and so forth. But we have to respect that and honor that and know that what we do can have a hundredfold effect yeah. on a negative way or a positive way. Yeah. So that's what another thing they feel is going on is that what we're doing with our work during this time is having a a more deeper uh, effect Mm -hmm. on people. And so therefore, there's a huge opportunity there. Makes so much sense. Yeah. You know, and we have to, and we have to, as as a doula, then we have to make sure that we are really clear about that, that we have to get ourselves in a place where we're not judgmental and we're, you know, mm-hmm. we're not trying to control things and yeah. we're not, you know, that we're honoring that, yeah. meeting somebody where they're at, walking with them wherever this is going to take us. Yeah. And that's, I think, the key right there. Mm-hmm. It, I think this field attracts people like that in general, but mm-hmm. not always. Mm-hmm. And that they have those capabilities, mm-hmm. you know, and I felt that like that was what I had to learn to really hone in the doulas mm-hmm. more you know, and and look out for um, so that you let your own agenda, your own way you think birth should go. And it's hard to do that because especially if you've had certain kind of births, people bring their own stuff into this. you got to let it go so you can be free to 
uh, witness, just witness. That's a huge part of what this podcast is for me. And like, Uh I'm very transparent about it. Like it's so selfish, like, because I get to talk to these amazing (laughs) human beings for two, three hours at a time and have preliminary phone calls and emails. Like it's, you know, I've had like the growth that I'm experiencing from having these interviews. It's also reining me in, which is what my yoga teacher, Jeffrey, always right. would joke about. He'd be like, rein it in over there. Because uh-huh. I happen to be a very physically flexible person as well. Uh-huh. And I've noticed in my like years of being a yoga practitioner and teacher that the physical body of people actually is usually a mirror of the emotional body yeah. of people, right? Uh-huh. And, I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> of course you know. Um, but so for me, you know, this is the podcast is really healing and educational and, and humbling and such a check on my ego because, and my husband, he says it all the time. He's like, just make sure you're not, you know, tooting that home birth horn. Oh (laughs) yeah. It's true because like, while that's the only birth experience I've ever had was my own. Well, excuse me. I have had my own cesarean birth into the world. That was my first experience. Your first and my second birth experience is it was the birth of my son at home. But, um, but the more I do keep hearing these incredible, sort of similar to your, to the cesarean birth mm-hmm. story that you just told, I have a, I have a hopeful podcast guest that is also a mother of four and her third is a cesarean birth and I won't give it away, but wow. it is an incredible story. It's yeah. her favorite birth of all of them. And yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, so the, the, uh, I'm there's just, certain elements that have to be present. To make any birth that magical, amazing mm-hmm. um, thing. And I think it's autonomy. And you can't even assume a home birth. I mean, I've heard some home birth stories that were not good, too. Totally. Oh, That's what God. I keep hearing. And yeah. I'm like, whoa. Well, <laughs> you know? Yeah. People, people romanticize this yeah. a lot, I think, and romanticize the work yes. a lot. And then when you really see, you start to see the certain themes mm-hmm. that keep coming up mm-hmm. that... You know, if certain needs are met, if certain elements are there, mm-hmm. it can really make a difference mm-hmm. in in that emotional, psychological, spiritual outcome, as well, of course, the physical outcome yeah. as well. But um, but people focus on that so much. Yeah. Oh, what does it matter if you had a healthy baby? Well, what does a healthy baby mean? Right. Let's really talk about that right. because it's not just the baby is breathing and has 10... <laughs> Ten fingers and toes is a lot right. more. What was that baby's experience like? Mm-hmm. And that's not to guilt trip. That's to, it's to it's to bring the awareness that we need to be conscientious about what we're doing. Yeah. And the other good thing about this that I think has, was really helpful when you learn about the the epigenetics, you know that 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 also means that things can be changed. They can be healed. Yes. They can be transformed because yes. we are such changeable beings. Yes, we can heal those things. But first, you gotta acknowledge that. Yeah, you gotta know. You gotta reach out to different modalities, and there's <laughs> so many healing modalities that have been around forever. Totally, you know that yeah. people have used. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to know, and you have to know that there's something to change. Yes. That's the funny part. That's what And be willing. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like you have to yeah, you have to be open to the fact that something may have been 
something may have gone awry. Right. And that there's something that you might have wanted to change and you have to, yeah, go down a path to change it, to, to work on it, to, right. to heal yeah. it. I guess right. not to change it, but to heal, heal it, it, to recognize it, see it, yeah. acknowledge it and heal it. You know, but it also makes us who we are. Yes. And many of our pains yes. and our wounds and our, you know, hard lessons yes. also make us who we are. Totally. You know? Yeah. And especially when you do the work mm-hmm. and you, you know, we all become more whole and more amazing beings. Yeah. You know, and become, you know, what they call the wounded healers. Yes. The wounded healers. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Yeah, that's totally from uh, the Carl Jung, I think. Yeah. Yeah. This just, yeah, it's really important. You know, it's been, it's really been an honor you know, all the different families I've worked with and, and work in the field. And I've also been so blessed to be around so many amazing other other people in the field. I've mm-hmm. had so many wonderful mentors and yeah. I have close relationships with some of the, you know, the people that are well known in the field. Mm-hmm. I learned so much from them and mm-hmm. and uh, learned so much from the families and yeah, it's been it's been a kind of a re- really it's been a really rewarding um, field. Yeah, and so I'm kind of closing in on the end of it, partly because of my age, but um, and, and everything. But um, I, you know, I've been really been thinking about retiring for a while now, and for a few years, and it's like. It's been hard to kind of let it go, and I've been kind of weaning myself a little bit, <laughs> doing you know less, less and less, and yeah. and so forth. And so I had planned. I I did uh, two workshops at the beginning of this year, but then and one of them was like right before, like the day I finished the day before the state announced you know mm-hmm. all the restrictions because of COVID, and so mm-hmm. I had to cancel other workshops and. So I kind of like, I think the, the world did it for me, you know, because mm-hmm. so I, I couldn't do it. But like, what I am doing, and it kind of goes back to your what next question. Yeah, for no, you're like beautiful. You're so beautifully <laughs> just doing it exactly. Perfect. <laughs> well, you gave me the framework, you yeah. know, but it's also, you know, it all ties together. It's so, so beautiful, yeah. So what, what I'm doing is, is um, as, a, as a result of this whole state thing, there's an um, organization just north of Corvallis, Albany-based uh, organization that is headed by uh, just some amazing uh, people, midwives, and one of them is like just like kind of world famous, I guess I would say, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and a group, you know, and they um, they wrote a grant to the, to the healthcare system that manages the three counties that you know that are within their system, mm-hmm. and they got it. And it was to uh, pay for the training of a very diverse workforce uh, for providing care to the Oregon Health Plan clients in their areas. Beautiful. And so, um, so they had me teach for their groups, and I think I did three workshops. I think three or four. Anyway, an amazing, it was totally different experience. You know, having more people. I mean, they were really very diverse, you know, mm-hmm. backgrounds and so forth and representatives from different communities and stuff. And um, so the, the the grant paid for the training, plus they they paid them for the first three births they had to go to as part of getting their, they, mm-hmm. helping them get everything they needed for getting on the state registry awesome. and becoming traditional health worker doulas. Yeah. So we trained over, uh, one of the trainer that was involved with, I think one or two of the groups as well. And um, so we trained over a hundred 
doulas wow. in that area. And so 30 of them have gotten on the registry. Wow. And they make up at least a third of the current people on the registry. Wow. Anyway, so then they worked really close and collaboratively with that healthcare system in, in um, you know, choosing who was going to get the care. And they, of course, chose them from the prioritized populations, mm-hmm. you know, the different people of color, homeless people, teens, you know, the different groups that the state has designated as a priority mm-hmm. for doula care and matched them up and stuff. And so they've been do- serving and doing the birth. Yeah. And part of the, part of the reason included, because she's from the university that, um, the midwife is from, also mm-hmm. professor at the university. Okay. And so they also have a research component. And the statistics are out of this world. Delicious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and like the, the health system that gave the money, they already made, they already saved them that much money. They've given them more money. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like, Again, it pays for itself. Totally. They're seeing that. They're seeing outcomes unbelievable. Mm. So they've served over 200 wow. people. What this, wow. And she just gave these statistics the other day in a meeting. Awesome. 14% cesarean rate. And this is a high-risk population, mind you. Boom. Boom. Okay. <sighs> Preterm births out of 200, norm, the normal rate is... I think it's seven to nine percent, maybe fourteen percent for high risk. Uh-huh. Zero. What? Out of two hundred. Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, the statistics are amazing. Awesome. So, anyway, it's blowing oh. people away. But they're sharing this information. They're sharing their grant proposals. They're sharing their research. But what I'm doing now is because because I'm you know, kind of going out of training and we only have a, you know, a few trainers in the state and we need more workforce and a more diverse trainers too, because mm-hmm. most of us are, you know, white, mm-hmm. um, that, um, they got, they asked for and got a grant to build a curriculum training curriculum for, that would be state approved. Okay. Cause there, there's a process in which you, you sure. go through to get your training curriculum for traditional health worker doulas, get approved. We hope to have it in by the end of the year. So I am turning over all of my work. Wow. And we're adding, we also formed a committee of many, uh, uh, you know, diverse representation of doulas who are in the field and doing the work to kind of give their input, nice. you know, into the curriculum, what should go in there. So we have a 35-hour curriculum, and I was starting 32, so we've added a lot more on uh-huh. Um, you know, bringing in the whole um, anti-racism, yeah. you know, kind of stuff, mm-hmm. material, um, working with more culturally specific groups, you know, that kind of thing. We're bringing in more of that uh, into the content and, and, and creating it with an eye towards that, that mm-hmm. the instructors. Like with a racial justice. Yes, yeah, so with a racial justice, uh, yeah, reproductive justice and oh, uh, so uh, framework. Wow. And um, so... Ideally, we'd have, again, more diverse teachers teaching more diverse groups like that, or they can teach a specific, but they're wanting to share it. They're willing to share it Mm -hmm. with anybody who wants to be an instructor. Of course, they have to screen the instructors for certain experience and stuff, but they're willing to share it. They're so, you know, they're so amazing, you know, that they just want to share this because we want to just 
do this for everybody. Yeah. I mean, here's a midwife and she, she just did a presentation in front of the National Institute of Health about, you know, how do we want to, how do we want to change what's going on in maternity care? Yeah. You're talking midwives and doulas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? We have an and, answer. Yeah, we have an answer. <laughs> Guess what? And it's well researched. And it's working. <laughs> but it's working. So it's like, so that's a way that instead of just walking away from this, I'm able to give all of that work, all my learning, all from those mentors that I've had, mm-hmm. all those families that have taught me, all the doulas that have taught me, mm-hmm. you know, because there's so much amazing sharing that doulas have. Every group, every yeah. group is like a birth. Every group has different contributions that they make to it. Yeah. And I'm able to, I mean, I'm, it's really funny because I'm, there's so many pages on book. I'm sorry, I'm just downloading my head. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> Just regurgitating my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just trying to, you know, trying to. No wonder you feel good about it. Yeah, I mean, and that that's the way seems, I can kind of walk away that and be seems done. It's like a great way. Yeah, yeah. So that I'm in, I'm in that process. That's my office over there. I the see it. Part. There's, yeah, there's some like a seven inch binder. <laughs> oh wait, and then there's multiple. Seven inch. Oh yeah, yeah. Boxes and <laughs> oh, and book. Yeah, I see yeah. a familiar. Couple yeah, and there's even more on the side. I see it. that. Mm-hmm. 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 That's amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. So yeah, it makes me feel good and uh, <sighs> feel that you know I can continue to make a contribution even though you know I'm ready yeah. to just. I'm ready really to be retired. Yeah. <laughs> and you deserve every second of I do. <laughs> I mean, but what a cool way to funnel all I know. of your, um, all yeah. of your, you know, your wisdom. It's because it really is like it's experiential knowledge is like a wisdom. You yeah. Know? And that's yeah. where it, and you know, that's where the numbers and data really does, it kind of helps, you know, because it's experiential. Like data right. is experience. It's, Right. Recorded experience. And yeah, while it might be a little bit cold at times. Data, you know, it's, it's, data. you know, and that's the thing about science and all this stuff. It just kind of, the word science means to know, to understand. Yeah. It only just puts an understanding mm-hmm. at a, on, at a different level mm-hmm. about things we kind of know. Inherently. Inherently. Like you yeah. talked about the baskets. They knew how important that it, that investment, yeah, you know, most cultures have known that the investment in that period of time was so crucial mm-hmm. to the end result, to mm-hmm. their community, their, our society. Mm-hmm. We People don't make that connect. You know, our society, that connection of what we do and how we treat these fa- mothers and babies and families and however people want to identify, of course, we you know being more inclusive about mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. you know and it's like you know making that connection between the beginning and what you end up with in your society mm-hmm. totally yeah yes it's a so yeah so there is a there you know one of the uh groups that i want to mention to people too is um so there's a whole uh section of the psychology movement called perinatal psychology and they have a uh, a website and they have an organization and people can get training and they do things like the rebirthing that you were talking about uh-huh. and they do t- teacher training they do all kinds of stuff is and i mentioned it in our training mm-hmm. is apa association for uh 
perinatal psychology and health is what it stands for their their website is easier it's birthpsychology.com mm-hmm. they have a lot of free oh, yeah, free stuff on their website that parents even can look at and talk mm-hmm. about the consciousness of your baby and you know your baby's abilities and awareness of the world even you know preconception you know during pregnancy afterwards and so they you know they've done a lot of research so there's a lot known and understood it's not mm-hmm. just woo woo stuff right you know, science puts just some understanding on what we some people call woo-woo stuff. Um, right. Some of it truly is, but yeah. <laughs> probably because we don't understand it yet. Exactly. At the same time, <laughs> you know, they, they there's a lot there, yeah. and it's a great place to start. And um, you know, and, and if teachers are getting that background and you know, try to pass those ideas on. Yeah. You know, wonderful. And, I'm going to put that in the show notes. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Cause it's, it's a, a really great, so they have a Facebook page too. I mean, people can access different things. Yeah. Instagram, you know, all of the, uh-huh. all of the social media um, and, and so forth, but it's kind of an introduction into mm-hmm. it. And uh, there's books, there's video. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of have awareness more and just be more conscious about, you know, the way they go about things. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. So, yeah, I mean, I guess... If we want a different world, we have to do different things different at the beginning. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. That is your message. What is your wish, hope, message to birthing moms, expecting families, and fathers? Like, what would be your little... um, well, I think that kind of is it, is there's so much out there to um, come to understand or learn, you know, be willing to learn and understand and open to um, about yourselves, your baby, you know, what this being is that you're bringing into the world and how you, you know, you're responsible for shaping the baby. You're not the only thing, mm-hmm. but you're responsible for shaping that human being. And sometimes we have to go back and kind of reshape ourselves mm-hmm. to be able better to do that, do a better job, you know, at that and parenting, um, you know, birthing and parenting. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody has a part in that. I think one of the areas that a lot of people kind of really don't, look at there's so much focus on you know the the birthing person and the baby that we're, we're missing a lot with fathers and that's a wonderful opportunity and that you know they shape fathers and partners you know also play a huge role in shaping mm-hmm. that child and, and there's actually a lot known with that I don't think it's just common knowledge about the ways that men and um, you know male-bodied people shape um, children and they have a lot to contribute. I think they, they could feel better about themselves and about their contribution. And, you know, and it doesn't always have to be with a part, you know, partner. Sometimes that happens with having male figures or mm-hmm. grandparents or uncles, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's, it's, it's an important contribution. Yeah. Um, but, um, I think that it opens up a side of them that has unfortunately, has been repressed, you know, out of this, the way that men are grown up, they're grown and the way they're taught, you know, to be is very um, limiting Mm -hmm. for them. So their access to their feelings and so forth and uh, and emotions. And um, 
So in acknowledging that, you know, providing more support for them in ways that they like the support. Mm-hmm. You know, women are different the way they like support. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just, you know, it's, it's, it all matters. We need to quit pretending that it doesn't matter yeah. how they come into the world or <clears throat> what happens during the birth, you know. The healthcare system, mm-hmm. we need to call upon them to do a better job to be mm-hmm. learn, be learning more about that. And many are yeah. doing a better job than we were, but we've got a ways to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. Yeah. I guess we'll spend a little time after I, uh, after we quiet down the audio on just, <laughs> getting some show notes and all this cool stuff you're doing, because I do feel like it would be sweet to have links up to, mm-hmm. to all of that. Um, okay. Um, in the show notes but thank you Deborah Catlin so <laughs> that was great it was excited. yeah it was a it was a surprise I just want everyone to know that she would not tell me what in the in my what's next for Deborah Catlin uh she wouldn't tell me before so I'm so <laughs> stoked to see that pile over there and to see all of the beautiful teachings that I so luckily I was like one of the last one of the last classes one of your last workshops. When when were you in? You were in, uh, in the last year. Last year. Yeah. Was it October? Yeah, was probably October? October or November. Or November. Yeah. It was early November. Yeah, because it was here in Eugene. It was November. Yeah. 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 Well, we got I to do got a couple to more. Do it was really, really yeah. special. And yeah. Um, cool. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Check out the show notes. This will be a good one. Peace. And that's a wrap on Deborah Catlin. Thank you so much, Deb, for your time and for your amazing work and stories she shares. Um, I hope the listeners, I hope you guys enjoyed her today. Um, do feel free to share um, the podcast with friends who may be um, expecting or um, maybe you're just even toying with like a little inkling of an idea that you might ever want to be pregnant um, and to bring a being into this world. I mean, it. I just, when, I, when I'm working with people in the birth course and the rebirth course, you know, it's just, it's always such, um, such an amazing thing to realize like, gosh, how powerful and transformational it would be if we had some of these conversations, um, you know, earlier in our lives, like just started to think about how our birth has impacted us and how our parents' births impacted them. And, um, you know, just the trickle down effect of our ancestry and, and the trickle down effect of where we're going, um, you know, as a society and how birth can affect that. So, um, yeah, See you next week, and thanks again for tuning in. Thank, big thanks to Christiana Dancer, my producer, for um, all her magic. Mommy, nice words of these and things. Yes, and that's who we'll, be, we'll be signing off now. All right, until next week. Thanks, everybody.